How would your life be different if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm just making an assumption here. I'm not, I'm judging myself here that for the most part, yeah, I have my good days, but you know, to say that every day in my life I am absolutely filled with the Spirit of God, I'd be lying to you if I said that. But in what way would your life be different if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, a scripture in, in fact, I think Sandy read this one, Ephesians 5 and verse 18 says, And be not, you don't have to turn there, but be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so I take from that that it is an objective, a goal to do just that, to be filled with the Spirit of God. If we can be filled with the Spirit, how? That's what I want. I want to know how can I be filled with the Spirit. I want to know what do I need to do. Again, how would your life be different if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, I want to make a distinction here. There is a scripture, you don't have to turn to this one, but it says, and when he had said this, speaking of Jesus, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now this is before Pentecost. Jesus, talking to his disciples, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Spirit of God. Then we come to Pentecost in Acts 2 and verse 4. And we know the story. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, uh, let me just digress a little bit. They were given the gifts of languages. If you ask the question, why were they given the gifts of languages? Well, there's always a meaning behind the gift. They had been told, go ye therefore into all the world. And of course, they're sort of thinking, how are we going to do, how are we going to communicate to everybody around the world? And then comes the day of Pentecost, and they're given the gifts of languages. So that's the meaning behind the gift. There's always a purpose for giving the gift. In this case, it is to communicate the gospel. God never gives a spiritual gift for show or self-serving. And I'm speaking in general, in general, of the charismatic movement that, you know, maybe it's a gibberish, maybe you're jumping church pews, no one can get it, no one understands it. It's not for show. God never gives a gift for show. It's always an agenda, a purpose, a motive. A, God wants you to be productive with the gift. And in this case, to communicate the gospel to all the world. So that's the meaning behind the gift. But what I wanted to do there is to make a distinction between receiving the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. We can all relate to the day at baptism when we received the Spirit of God. That's an absolute, if your heart was right, you know, and only God knows. God looks at your heart and says, yes, that person is a child of mine. I'm going to give that person a portion of my spirit. So we can all relate to that day that we receive the Spirit of God. But again, to be honest, my day-to-day my -day life, if I'm honest, 
is not really, I can't really say, okay, I'm just filled with the Spirit of God. Sometimes the things I'm doing, I think, man, is this, you know, what it means to be filled with the Spirit? You know, I may be doing this, doing that at work. And I sort of look at my life and I think, okay, is this filled with the Spirit? And uh, now again, I have my good days, but sometimes they're few and far between. So as we, we consider this, I just want to read some statements that were made from the book of Acts. It says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto them. Now this is the results of being filled with the Spirit of God. And they looked around at all, everything that was going on, and they were, filled, they were filled with wonder and amazement. I like that. I want to be filled with wonder and amazement. <laughs> then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them. There's another statement. Peter was filled with the Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spake the words of God with boldness. Now here's the results. One of the results of being filled with the Spirit. They were bold. Didn't hold back. They could speak. Speak the right thing. Say the right thing. Boldness. Then Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set eyes upon him. And I think in this case, he healed a man. Look at Acts 13 and verse 52. Here's, a, here's another results of being filled with the Spirit of God. I like this one. Acts, 5, Acts 13 and verse 52. Acts 13 and verse, verse 52 says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I like that. I, I want to have joy. And the reason they had joy is because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I mean, you think that there would have to be incredible joy of being full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that would be a natural thing that would come to you, joy. Now, Peter talks about this day. In Acts 2 and verse 16, Acts 2 and verse 16, it's, a, it's interesting how he viewed this day and this phenomenon that was going on with people being filled with the Spirit of God. Acts 2 and verse 16 says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says that God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, Peter, when he said this, was actually thinking that this was the Christ's return was intimate. I mean, it was right around the corner that he was living in the last day when he said that. So hindsight 2020, we can say, okay, 2,000 years ago, at the beginning of the New Testament church, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon that church. And then we have this, which says, with our hindsight 2020, we can say, okay, also at the last day, before Christ returns, it's going to happen again. The Spirit is going to be poured out. Because it says, I will pour out my Spirit at the last. It shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
And your young man shall see visions, and your old man shall dream dreams. Do you notice that it says your daughters shall prophesy? That means inspired preaching, I think. You know, I'm going to say something here. Probably get me thrown out of church. Uh, but that's, that's okay. You know, it would. <laughs> but uh, I sometimes think we have grieved the Holy Spirit by, by our view of women's role in the church. Because, you know, we say things like, well, women should keep silence and uh, suffer a woman not to teach or usurp authority over a man. You know, I, my personal opinion is that Paul was addressing a specific issue about a specific church, about a specific problem. I do not think Paul was making a blanket statement that women should never speak, should never teach or do anything like that. I, I, don't, I think when Paul is resurrected, he's going to say, I wasn't making a blanket statement that women should never make a peep in church. I wasn't saying that. I think, you know, and I think because of some of that teaching, we have grieved, you know, half uh, in the spirit in that half the earth's population. We don't seem to, okay, well, can't, nope, nope you're a woman. <laughs> That's my opinion. But um, <clears throat> did you know Galatians 3 and verse 28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ. That's Galatians 3 and verse 28. You're all one. Put that in your pipe and smoke. You know. <laughs> You're all one in Christ. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting off the subject here. How would your life be different if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, as I look at this, I think, okay, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So there's one thing, joy. Man, I want joy. They had wonder and amazement at the thing that was going on because of being full of the Holy Spirit. People, not just one individual, but the, in a sense, the church being full of the Holy Spirit. Wonder and amazement. They had boldness to speak because they were full of the Holy Spirit. And I think also... Certain gifts of the Spirit are going to come from being full of the Holy Spirit. Some of the lists here was the gift of languages, prophecy, inspired speaking, visions, dreams. I think you can expect that. If you're going to be full of the Spirit, you can expect certain things to happen to certain gifts. And I'm, that's just a few that could be given. The end result of being full of the Spirit is found in Acts 11 and verse 24. Acts 11 and verse 24. Notice this one. The end result, and that's something that I think we all want here. Acts 11 and verse 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. So one of the end results of people being full of the Spirit, the church being full of the Spirit, is that you know, people are added, people are converted. The last point about being full of the Spirit is that I believe that the Spirit drives us. I think God's Spirit is a driven Spirit. Now, you may, you may want to think about that one. Paul will say, and though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory uh, for necessity is laid upon me. Notice that necessity is laid upon me. 
Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He was driven. I think that spirit drives people to be driven. And that's something you may or may not want. I was watching something about the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson. They talked about what a strange guy that he was. He wrote most of their songs and composed most of their music. But they said, the man was driven. He, he, he talked about playing the keyboard until what was in here came out on the keyboard. And he would do it all day long. All day long. And he said, if you met him, he said he sort of, he was not, he didn't have time to do what everybody else was doing, go out and hang out and drink and be with, you know, he, because he was driven to write that music. And people sort of looked at him as, he's sort of a weird guy. He's a strange one. You know, you can't even communicate to this guy. But he was driven to write their music. Um, you know, someone said, you know, there's a state, most people live lives of quiet desperation. That may be a better way to live than being driven by the Spirit. You may want your life a quiet desperation than being driven. Because I think when God drives, He drives a person. And you do things. And you produce things. You accomplish things. You are driven by the Spirit. So it's a tendency to look at that, oh boy, that's good. Eh, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Driven. The question is why? Would God pour his spirit out upon you? I think we struggle with this. We ask the question, why don't, why don't God want you to pour your spirit out upon me? Well, take a look at what you're doing and you'll have your answer as to why God may not be pouring his spirit out upon you. Take a look at what you're doing. In other words, what I'm saying is the pouring out of God's spirit is not needed with what you're doing. You know, when we talk about, okay, God's Spirit being poured out upon us, to do what? To accomplish what? To minister to who? To reach who? I struggle with this greatly. I think, okay, I lay rock. Well, sometimes I do. I'm trying to get out of that, but I, I watch people lay rock. And that's bad enough. And I think, do I need the Spirit of God poured out upon me to lay rock? No. I really don't. I mean, I, I understand asking for help. I understand God, give me strength. But do I need God's Spirit to be poured out upon me? Do I need God's Spirit to be poured out upon me to mow my grass? No, I don't. Do I need the Spirit of God poured out upon me to lay out in the sun? I was laying out in the sun this morning. <laughs> Trying to relax. Uh, <laughs> but I, I didn't need the Spirit. Of, you know. Um, you see, what I'm saying is that God has his agenda. And you have yours. And a lot of your agenda, not that there's anything wrong with it, but you don't need the Spirit poured out upon you to, to do your agenda. That's what I'm saying. You know, there's a, I didn't write this reference down, I should have, but there's, in the Old Testament, there's a story about the Spirit of God coming upon men and women. I think they were building the tabernacle. 
And God's spirit worked upon it in workmanship and metal work. And they're doing all these mundane things and the spirit comes upon it. But you've got to understand something. That was God's agenda, building that. That was his business. And that spirit did that. So I think we need to make a distinction between, you know, between certain things that we do and understand God has his agenda. Again, God never gives a spiritual gift for show or self-serving. I have found I can serve myself just fine by myself. You know, I, I'm good at it. You know, I just, I'm doing this and yeah, mowing my grass. Well, that's self-serving, you know. It's <laughs> um, not that it's wrong. I mean, I take care of my place. I mean, I understand that. But I'm, I'm just, you know. So, and again, I think in our world, there's this illusion that the assumption that God would pour out his spirit upon you to do nothing. Or to maybe, in some of the charismatic movements, look like a fool. There's all, with every gift of the Spirit, there's always this key word, productivity, production, a to-do list. What are you doing with this thing that I'm giving you? <clears throat> if we're going to be filled with the Spirit of God, there has to come first this, this scripture here, Colossians 1 and verse 9. If we're going to be filled with the Spirit of God, there has to first come this, Colossians 1 and verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Here's a thing I think we need to understand about being filled with the Spirit of God. There is preparation that comes first. And this preparation says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God is setting the stage for Christ's return. He's setting the stage. He's placing certain things in motion. Key players, key ministries, key however you want to look at that. But he's putting things together. He's preparing for, the, for Christ to return. And you, you hey, don't sell yourself short. You may be a key player. And he's preparing you now for that. Two, if we are going to be filled with the Spirit of God, these character traits have to come first. James 3 and verse 17. James 3 and verse 17. And this can be a tough one. James 3 and verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. You know, I think there's a good explanation of how we're supposed to deal with people one-on-one. -on -one. These instructions here. To be pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. Okay, how we deal with one-on-one. -on -one -on -one. Now, on the other hand, people who just want to fight... You can't reason with them, can you? 
You know, the opposite of this verse, James 3 and verse 17, is a fighting spirit. If you just reverse that, what you're going to get, you know, what's the opposite of this verse? It is a fighting spirit. You know, a lot of times on my YouTube, Facebook page, comments, I try to identify the difference between, with the comments, a fighting spirit or a teachable spirit. The fighting spirits, I never answer them back. Only the teachable spirits. That's good advice to take on how you deal with people. Identify, is this person just got a fighting spirit? Now, if they have a teachable spirit, then I apply James 3 and verse 17. Pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good, good fruits, without partiality, if it's a teachable spirit. If it's not, if it's a fighting spirit, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Unless you like wasting time. <laughs> God is preparing a people for the end time, for the return of Jesus Christ, and I can guarantee you, God's spirit is going to be poured out. Now, is there anything we can do now until that time comes? Do we have to just sort of sit around and wait for it? I think there is something we can do. Let's conclude with Luke 11 and verse 9. Luke 11 and verse 9. What can we do about being full of the Spirit? In Luke 11 and verse 9, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receiveth, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be open. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No. You know, you know how we are toward our children. You know, we, we want to help them. We want to give them good things. And then Jesus said, look, if you being evil, and I love that, you know, <laughs> if, if, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, well, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask Him? So one of the things we can do, we can ask for God's Spirit. You know, when we ask for more of God's Spirit to be filled with, I think it's important to realize God is looking for something or someone or an idea, a concept, a work, a, a project, a program, something to fill it, you know, fill that with. He's looking for something to, you know, we can say, okay, I'm a vessel, fill me, but he's looking for something, you know, to place that empowerment in. Often we say, give me more of your spirit to inspire an idea. You ever said that to God? You know, I, I just need more of your spirit so I can have an idea. Truth of the matter is, you've got tons of ideas. And I've found if you don't write those ideas down, they go very quickly. And you think, what was I thinking about? I can't, I can't. That was a great idea. I should have done that. Write it down. You have tons of ideas that you've, you've worked on all of your life. Tons of ideas. The real question is, when are you going to build it? That idea, that concept, that work, that, pro, that project, that program. So, and again, when are you going to build it? So that when the timing is right, God can empower it.